Yeah, it's rewind time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to rewind time once again. And I'm gonna apologize in advance if you hear an air conditioner or something in the background. Not much I can do about it. But today is a special episode, and I could not wait any longer to do this. So this is the Missouri GameCon edition of Rewind Time. And it will be the only Missouri GameCon episode edition, probably. And what I'm going to do here is talk only about Missouri GameCon, because that is a convention that I just went to a few days ago. So, while that's fresh on my mind, I figured I'd do it. I know there's been a lack of episodes recently, but it's... I can't really record on a frequent schedule because I have things to do. Obviously, I don't do this full-time or anything, but this is this is it. So, I'm going to bounce back and forth on time periods. I can't really say things in order of what they happen because partially I don't remember. Two, that would be very hard. So, I'm just going to start with this. So, it was, a, it was a great convention. I loved it. I'd go again. And if you don't know what Missouri Game Con is, it is, unlike a lot of the other conventions I've been to, it's only the games. Pretty much only retro games there. I think I saw PS4 at one of the booths, but it's pretty much all retro. And they had a few guests there, which I'll talk about, including the first one. Wow, that... Ooh. <laughs> including the first one, which was Norm, the gaming historian. Now, if you don't know who he is... Watch him because it is amazing content. It's his name is pretty self-explanatory. He's a gaming historian. He does documentaries, and he tweeted, "Yo gamers, I'll be at Mo GameCon this weekend doing a panel and selling some of my extra games. Who will get my extra copy of? I might be saying this wrong. Ninja Jaja Maru Kun. I'm almost actually. I'm pretty sure I said that wrong." I don't really know Japanese, but then he had a picture of him with a Famicom game. Even though I had no idea what this game was, I knew I had to get it. It's, it's just, I don't know. It was an inside joke that, you know, this is it's a cheap game. Nobody would really want it, but, you know, I just, that was the fun of it. And it's just, you know, getting the game in the picture. Basically, what I'm trying to say is it was an inside joke, okay? Anyway... <laughs> I rambled on a little bit too much there. You follow me on Twitter. You should follow me on Twitter. You already know, but your boy got it. I got the game. It's the exact one, and I am so glad. <laughs> I got there a little after the convention already started, so I was scared that someone else would have gotten it. But no, I went there, I talked to him for a little bit, and I bought the game. And he autographed it for me, so that was good, and he has an amazing signature. It looked perfect. So, that was the start of the convention. That was the first thing I did. Couldn't start it off any better. And the way the YouTubers were set up was it was just one wall that was lined with them. They were there at their own tables. Most of them, well actually all of them that I saw, were selling something. And there are no lines. You just walked up and they're right there. Maybe there was a person in front of you, but really it wasn't. drink. If I pause, that's what. I'm getting a drink. Hurts your throat talking so much on a podcast sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> later in the convention, I noticed that Norm had some other games there. I didn't really look when I was at his table originally. I just got the one game. 
But I noticed that he had NES games, and I love NES games. So I ended up getting Double Dragon. He had it for $10. Yeah, it's a pretty good price, and it's in perfect condition. I don't know if it was used in an episode or anything. I'll have to go back and look, but I don't remember any Double Dragon episode. But, uh, yeah, I got that. I got the Famicom game from him. And next thing, well, I looked around. I shopped a little bit. Didn't get anything, just more looking, seeing what was around. I entered in for a giveaway to get this. Have you, I don't know if you've seen these, but Replicade is a company that's doing, I think, one-fourth one or one-eighth scale arcades that are super accurate. I mean, they come with tiny quarters. They have a lit marquee. They look beautiful. And one of the games that you can't really emulate not that well because you need a spinner for it is Tempest. So I've had a weird fascination with Tempest just because I never really see a machine and I never get to play it on the computer with emulation because I don't have a spinner. But had a replicate there and it was it was cool. And they're pretty expensive so I didn't buy one. But I did enter to win and didn't. So that stunk. But it was cool getting to see it and I'm glad that it exists. So there is a way to easily access Tempest. just not the same with the keyboard and mouse so after that i went to my first panel at this convention normally i don't go to panels at conventions but this one i had to because it was a panel for pat the nes punk he is a podcaster better than me i'll admit it and my dog is down here so buddy can you please stop licking your paws buddy Sorry about that. Buddy. No. Stop. <laughs> Normally he's not here when I record. But Pat the Aeneas Punk. Some people don't like him. I do. I love his podcast. It's probably my favorite podcast. Maybe. It's debatable. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Obviously, or else I wouldn't have started one. But anyway, a completely unnecessary podcast. You should give it a listen. He did a panel... And I didn't really know what to expect, because I normally don't go to panels at conventions. But I loved it. It was pretty funny. It was kind of like a live version of his podcast. But he didn't have Ian, which is the guy he always films episodes with. So it was kind of, you know, there was something missing. Which was Ian. But it was good. He gave updates about the channel, what he's doing. He did a Q&A session. And... He did the Play the Punk Challenge, kind of. So the Play the Punk Challenge is he just sets up an NES and then he has a multi-cart that he has different, you know, he calls two people up and they play the game for prizes. But he didn't have prizes and he didn't have a second controller. So he called the people up he wanted to play and then realized he didn't have a controller. So they sat back down and then... He asked, does anybody have a controller in their pocket somehow? And of course someone did, because it's a gaming convention. So they tried that NES controller, and it shorted out the system. So it didn't work when the controller was plugged in. So he called them back up, sat them back down, and that didn't work. And then somebody had an NES Advantage controller, and we didn't use that, because then, you know, they have an advantage. 
I mean, it's in the name. But then, gracefully, I don't, that word doesn't really describe this, but gladly, they, the people at the convention did come back with a NES controller, and they did do a round of Dr. Mario and, I'm trying to think, what else? Karate Champ. Yeah, it was Karate Champ. So they did a round of Dr. Mario and Karate Champ. Both of them were terrible at the games. So it, it wasn't that entertaining to watch, but I don't know what I expected. It was just funny, because Pat. Pat's funny. Another drink break there. Uh, this is where I start to forget where... What the order of everything was. Mm, okay. My first purchase of the convention and biggest <laughs> was a Super Nintendo, but not any Super Nintendo. It had a unique sticker that it came with Ken Griffey Jr.'s World Baseball. And although I don't really care about that game, it was boxed NES. I mean, a box Super Nintendo. I'm, I'm not used to the Super Nintendo. Never had one. But it's a box Super Nintendo. It was some kind of variant because it came with another game. But the box was in good condition. I mean, it's old, so it's not that great a condition. But it's in good condition for a Super Nintendo of its age. And, you know, it was kind of iffy on it because... You can't return it. It's a one-day convention, and they don't give you receipts. So if I bought it and it didn't work, but uh, the guy selling it let me open up the box, and I looked inside, and Super Nintendo's and the original NES. Over time, they turn yellow instead of the gray, but this one looked like it was never even taken out of the box. I mean, I'm sure it was at some point, but it looked brand new. It had all the inserts inside. It had the styrofoam the manual poster it was not yellowed at all it was great so i couldn't have gotten any luckier on that so i got it it came with the ken griffey jr baseball oh boy and i ended up getting super mario world later on so i had one other game for it but a lot of the super nintendo games and just games in general were a little pricey there and there, that's another thing about this convention which i feel like i should mention I didn't end up buying as much as I thought as I would because a lot of the stuff there is super rare and super expensive. Which is cool because there's so many things I saw there that I never thought I would see before in person. Like I can't go to a Goodwill and see a virtual boy and little Samson, but it, it was just cool to see it. But of course I can't buy much of that stuff. And so much of the stuff here is just in like perfect mint condition, rare that they didn't have a lot of the commons, and if they did, it was a little more pricey. And that's a lot of the stuff I need. I wasn't going here to buy an NES Flintstones game. I was going here to just... I don't even know what I was aiming for. I knew when I did come here, I wanted a Famicom originally, but I looked all over, and all I could find was Super Famicoms. So I ended up getting one, but I will eventually. Famicoms are nice. <laughs> But I got the Super Nintendo instead. I wanted one console when I was there. And now, other than GameCube, which doesn't really matter because I have a backwards compatible Wii, I've realized I have every home Nintendo console. I mean, I don't have all my handhelds, but 
After I got the Super Nintendo, that was it. I didn't even realize that when I bought it, but... I got them all now. I don't have many games per system, but I have a lot of systems. The only thing... Man, the, I'm, I'm running out of systems to buy, really. I mean, the only other things I'm interested in would be... Television, Magnavox Odyssey, and Dreamcast. But I don't even have room for other consoles, so... Forget those! But... It was cool that I got a Super Nintendo. Because... I, I love the NES. It's might be my favorite console, but I don't know. I don't really want to say that, but might be. <laughs> and just one of my friends, I was talking to him, and he was talking about the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, and I mentioned that I didn't have one. He's like, how do you not have one? If you're such a big NES fan, how do you not have the better NES? Then he's right. I got it. I love it so far. I mean, as much as I can love a Super Mario World and... Ken Grisby Jr.'s baseball, but I'm enjoying it so far. I love Super Mario World. Glad I got it. So, after the Super Nintendo, I... I'm trying to think of order, but it doesn't really matter. This is where I go out of order on all the things I did. Another thing I got. A Pokemon... Burger King mini Game Boy Color. Back when they were promoting either the first movie or Pokemon 2000, they released a series of toys that were tiny Game Boy Colors that all had one mini game in them. They're kind of cool. I got one with Jigglypuff because it was cheap, and I'm trying to collect all the Pokemon movie merchandise just because, it's, I don't know, it's a goal of mine. I love Pokemon. And I got the Jigglypuff one. I don't think it works but i can't really find a picture or video of one that is working and my dog just jumped on top of the audio recorder that's great move that around thanks for being so selfish buddy that's, that's why we love you <laughs> what is he doing he's like laying on the camera back whatever oh sorry about that guys sorry i hit you sorry you hit the microphone I lost my train of thought. Oh, so there's that. Some other cheap things I got were a Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, like LCD games, like when you think the Tiger Electronics handhelds, those cheap things. They were only a dollar each, and I had never seen them before, and I found that fascinating. So I picked up two of them. I have no idea how to even start the Crash Bandicoot one, but the Spyro one's kind of as fun as a $1 LCD game can be. <laughs> Not much to say about them. They are cool looking though. They have a big sticker on the front and then you open it up and it's a tiny underwhelming screen. Um. Hmm. Towards the end of the convention, I everything was like 50% off the whole table and people just trying to get rid of stuff. I ended up getting... Yeah, two different Atari 2600 games. Flag Capture and Boxing. I love Atari, and I don't... I'll never know why. I don't understand why. I just do. When I was at Pat's panel, he actually made fun of someone for paying $100 for an Atari in games. But I like them. It's cheap, so if you don't like the game, whatever. You paid a dollar for it. I ended up getting two complete and box copies of the games. The boxes are really nice. I don't know how this guy 
There's only one guy there that had Atari games. And they were all in really nice condition. So I don't know how he kept them like that in 40 years. But he did. And I bought those. Boxing had a great box. But terrible label. Flag capture was good all around. And... I ended up getting this bag. It was 50% off, so I think it, yeah, it was 750 for the bag. I got it had I think 35 manuals and a bunch of catalogs. Cuz back in the day, you would get a catalog of all the new Atari games out this month or all of the new Activision games this month. And it had a bunch of those and it had a bunch of manuals for various Atari 2600 games. So, for the price, I just figured I'd pick it up, I could sell duplicates later on, and I'll just keep the ones for games that I have in my collection or games I plan on getting in the future. So, most of my Atari 2600 games now have manuals. Uh, they're kind of useless, because if you don't know how to play a game with one button and a joystick, you, uh, I don't know if a manual can save you at that point, but it's just... I like having them. I like the... Sometimes they have cool artwork, or sometimes they're just interesting. Like, a lot of the Activision manuals will have a picture of some employee telling you how to master this game with a square hitting another square. You know, like, it's such such a big thing. And a lot of the manuals have cool artwork, and, and boxes of the games have cool artwork to make you think that the graphics are going to look that good. But I just love Atari manuals, so I got those... I kept, I kept, bleh, I kept manuals for games like California Games or Centipede that I don't have somehow and just plan on getting in the future. There are some games that, like, I think I have four different Pac-Man manuals now. I don't need those. I'll sell them for a bucket piece on eBay or something. I don't know. And there are system manuals. There's three different manuals for the Atari system. Two of them look completely different. And two of them have different colored texts, so that's interesting. I don't know why I had three different manual revisions, but whatever. I'll investigate later. And there is a ton of different catalog revisions. Like the same catalog, but they added different games. And there is catalogs for Activision, Epics, and Atari. And... I just made a note document of all the manuals I have, how many, and then all the different catalogs. So I'll, I'll end up going through those eventually. I'm probably, I don't know, tomorrow. <laughs> when I, Well, whenever this podcast comes out, it's probably been three weeks because I'm slow on this, but whatever. <laughs> so I'll go through those. I just think it's interesting to. Another thing that the convention they had in the back it was a museum of sorts of just rare and obscure consoles and that was super interesting to see i took a few pictures that i posted on instagram yeah follow me on instagram and some highlights i saw were a tv game 15 a twin famicom what is this i'm looking through my pictures right now i can't even tell what that is Pro 1000S. Looks like a weird disc console. Whatever. Go on my Instagram and you can see it. 
Because I don't even know what it is. It's probably why I took a picture of it so I could look it up later. Of Vectrax, which I'm super interested in Vectrax. If they weren't a billion dollars, I would have one. It is a lot smaller in person than they look online. They look huge, but in person they're just tiny. They're tiny and cute. And they had these Vectrex goggles, which I didn't, they didn't have a sign, so I didn't read them. But stuff like that, there's probably only one of in existence, I'd have to guess. I'd like to look that up later on, but I thought that was super interesting. It's got a nice look, too. It's, you know, it's ahead of its time. Um, so you can see pictures of those on my Instagram. It was so cool to see those. It's just things you never think you'd see before, and all of it's in great condition. Another thing they had that was next to it was the original Nintendo PlayStation. If that sounded at all weird to you, the Nintendo PlayStation is a prototype console because Nintendo was actually originally working with Sony to make this, and it would take cartridges and all that, but there's a long history behind it, which you can watch the gaming historian video on it. There's a long history behind it. <laughs> And basically, Sony ended up doing Nintendo dirty and just making their own version of the PlayStation. I think there's only two prototypes exist tested, or at least Adam Savage tested his company. I don't know, but they got a hold of one of the copies of the console. And the guy there had the other one. And this one is actually working, which I don't think the other one is. So I actually got to play Mortal Kombat. On the Nintendo PlayStation. And that is something not many people can say they've done. <laughs> they have the original Sony PlayStation controller there too. It looks just like a Super Nintendo controller. So not much to see there. I also saw the Game Boy sewing machine at one of the tables for sale. I just thought that was kind of funny. I don't know how. I know it's rare. I don't know how rare. But okay. Lots of cool things. Hey, it's Future Carson here, and while I'm editing this, I realized I forgot to transition into my sponsor messages, so... Uh... Here is our sponsors and... stuff. If you are a YouTuber out there like me, or someone who wants to be a YouTuber, then let me tell you about this beautiful, beautiful thing. TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is an extension that I have used for a long time before they even sponsored this, alright? So this is coming from someone who genuinely uses and loves TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a browser extension or app, the browser extension is the one I prefer, that will help you manage and grow your YouTube channel. Now, TubeBuddy gives you many tools and methods on how to grow your channel, how to get your videos more views, more subscribers, and they also have a YouTube channel where they give you tips and video form. It's really, really useful. Now, TubeBuddy, one of, one of many features they have that I like is that when you upload your video, it has a checklist. And this checklist will tell you things such as add tags to your description, title length, maybe your title is too long or too short. And it'll either be... Blank if you don't have that thing. Red if your title's too long. Or green if it is a perfect title. So it helped you grow in that sense. That it literally tells you how good your different title, description, playlist, whatever is. And if you have all green on your video, good. 
Another thing, my Dr. Phil video, my Dr. Phil the movie is one of the recent videos I uploaded. After the first week, that video was stuck at 40 views. No one else was watching it, right? So I go to TubeBuddy, and this is a something that you can only get on the browser extension. And they have this tag tool where it will rent, it will rate your tags. You can click on a tag, and it will tell you on a scale of 1 to 100 how good that tag is. So I went through my tags, and anything that was under 50, I got rid of and put a new tag. And now that video is gaining around 10 views a day. So it dramatically helped that video. And this is all free! It's all free! There's literally no reason you should not be using TubeBuddy, alright? If you're listening to this, and you make YouTube videos, and you don't have TubeBuddy, what are you doing? So you can go to TubeBuddy.com slash rewind, and you can get TubeBuddy for free. Or, you can buy the premium subscription, or whatever, they have different prices, different tiers, that all have more and more features. So you can go to TubeBuddy, you can create your free account, or a paid account, preferably. And you're not only helping out the podcast, but you are helping you grow your channel. So once again, go to TubeBuddy.com slash Rewind and start your TubeBuddy account today. Some more of the people I met there. Mm, Pat the ending as well. Back to Pat. See, here's where we jump times because I don't remember order stuff. After Pat's panel, I went to his table and talked to him for a bit. And he has this documentary series that he worked on. I don't know what involved he was. I know he's in it. I don't know if he produced it or... I, I don't know much about it. But he was talking about in the panel how proud he was of it. And I really only know his podcast and his Path the NES Punk series. So I went and I bought a DVD of video game years 1983 to 1985. And I watched the 1983 year on the way back. And I really enjoyed it. He autographed it for me, and I'll probably probably watch 1984 tonight. It's super interesting. It is. It just goes. It talks about the popular games, innovations, systems of the year, and the history behind it. So this one talked about the video game crash, but also talked about Dragon's Lair. It talked about the Famicom. LG. It's got a bunch of YouTubers in it, or you know, a lot of people. That you might know, it had the... He worked on Intellivision, I don't... Was he the owner of Intellivision at the time? I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know my Intellivision knowledge that much. But he was on there getting interviewed. They had LGR, Game Chasers... Pro Jared, that... Whew! A lot of people. A lot of people in it. And they talk about... They just all talk about memories with it or what they think of it. It's it's good. And speaking of Game Chasers, Billy wasn't there, but Jay was from Game Chasers, which is a YouTube show that I also think you should check out. It's like American Pickers, but with video games. They go to various flea markets, gaming stores, conventions, whatever. And it's like... It's it's like a TV show where there's sit-down interviews and information. It's it's pretty good. It's very highly produced. And it's super interesting because you never know what they're going to find. You know, they found a little Samson in one episode. Sometimes it'll just be Atari games, but it's super interesting because you learn about the Atari games. And I love it. Everyone who is into old video games or wants to be into old video games should 
definitely watch Game Chasers because you'll learn a lot you didn't know. And I thought I knew a lot until I watched the show. So Jay, who's one of the Game Chasers, was there. I went to his panel. It was pretty good. He His entire panel was a Q&A session, and he didn't just talk about Game Chasers. He talked about everything. And one of the highlights of the panel was someone asked him if he would rank everyone who's been on the show. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. My SD card got full. Anyway, lost my train of thought. Shady J's panel, he ranked his friends by how stupid they are because someone asked that. And if you're curious about the rankings, he put Pat at the lowest and him at the smartest and everyone else in between. Although he did say that Wood was just a better Billy. So... It, it was funny. He's just joking around a lot. I did end up going to his table after his panel. And I got a Game Chaser Season 4 Blu-ray. So, that was cool. I've only seen, the I think, the recent two seasons of Game Chasers. Because I, I haven't found watched them for that long. So, I haven't seen a lot of the older seasons. So, I'm glad I can watch that now. He autographed it for me. And he is one of the nicest YouTubers I've met. I mean, some of them end up being super nice some of them are just like take a picture and go away he was one of the super nice ones so i'm glad for that you know there's no way he's listening but you know thank you <laughs> and yeah that's that's it for the shady j panel just trying to think if there's anything i was missing i i wanted to go to walter day's panel but i just couldn't wait any longer to eat so i i had to take a time off to eat or else I would have just starved to death because it was getting bad so since I didn't get to see his panel but I did end up getting to meet him and he was super nice too uh he had a table where he was signing autographs he has these like they're like baseball cards but instead of baseball players they're gamers so they're gamer trading cards and I got the special Mo GameCon edition of his and he signed it for me it was good he said i had a cool name so thanks for that walk today you have a cool name too <laughs> and there's another guy at the table probably weird that i don't know who he was but he kept talking to me about billy mitchell and walter and i had no idea that mr litwack and wreck it ralph was walter day somehow i didn't notice that but i did i do now I didn't realize it because he had a picture of Mr. Litwack at his table, and I thought, oh, how'd I not see that before? But the more you know. I went to Gaming Historian's panel, and he did a live version of what's going to be his next Gaming Historian episode, and he showed us a clip from it. I don't know how much I can say about that, so I'm just not going to talk about the newest episode. Other than the newest episode, he just did a little bit of a Q&A, and then he did Who Wants to Be a Gamer, which was just Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but questions from his episodes. One person went up, and he got pretty far, but he lost. So that was sad. It was, it was really entertaining. I liked his panel, too. All three of the panels I went to were very different from each other, but I enjoyed them all. Like I said, I can't really talk much about it, because I don't know if he wants his newest episode being spoiled. Glad I got to see his panel. Uh, 
I did end up going to Game Chasers and Gaming Historian one more time at, towards the end of the convention just because I wanted to see if I could get a shirt from them. I got a Game Chaser shirt, but it was the only one they had left in my size, and Gaming Historian didn't have any at all, so I didn't get any of those. I mean, I didn't get any of his shirts, but oh well. And it looks like I hit everything. I'm looking at my notes, and I think I've discussed everything that happened at Mo GameCon. Yeah. If I think anything else, I put it in the description of this podcast, or if you're listening on YouTube, the pinned comment. But that's what happened, basically. It's it was a really fun experience. I'd love to go again sometime if I could. And uh, yeah, I don't really know how to end this. But thanks for listening. Uh, this is the third episode, and if you don't know, once you hit three episodes on your podcast, you can submit it to be on iTunes. So maybe the next episode will be on iTunes, or maybe you're listening to this on iTunes. I don't know, but I'll definitely send in an application. And if you're enjoying it so far, let me know. You can give me some feedback. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, let me know, and your name could be in this podcast. Hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you next time.